the social media aspect we have, we're in a generation like never before giving us almost just like we're able to plug straight into the matrix, you know, we're able to just say, yes, like this is how I want to show up to the world. You're the only person holding you back. Welcome to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom, a podcast where we provide insights, tips, and inspiration for college students and young professionals so they can make a really successful transition from college life to the professional world and beyond. My name is Andy Malinsky, and I'm your host. I'm also a professor of organizational behavior and international management at Brandeis University's International Business School, where we record and produce this podcast. Okay, so our guest today is Ruby Lee, who's an online side hustle business coach from Melbourne, Australia. After side hustling for almost four years, She uh, developed what she calls the Own Your Hustle movement in 2018. There are many people around the world who gather to listen from from Ruby about how to launch an online business, grow a personal brand on social media, uh, uh, generate long-term diversified income streams, even while working full-time. And uh, there's much more to Ruby, but you're going to hear it uh, yourself. And and I just wanted to introduce Ruby and and thank you so much for, for being on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me, Andy. Yeah, I'm so excited. So, so tell us, tell us a bit more about about what you do. What's your what's what's your business? What's your job? You've got a very interesting, unusual job. Tell us about it. My job today involves speaking and working with side hustlers all around the world. Now, most side hustlers that work with me are either straight out of college or university, as we say in Australia or they have been working in their corporate jobs for anywhere between five to 10 years and realizing that they're wanting a little bit more. They're wanting to stretch a little bit more in their career. They're wanting to see if there are other options out there for them. And it's so much fun because in that process, you get to really work with those that you know want to search for purpose and want to search for the things that Perhaps they were always meant to do, but they just fell down this pathway of, you know, ticking boxes and checking things and having to do things a certain way. And it's almost just a finding of themselves again. So I help them do that. I help them set up a tangible business online. And uh, mostly a lot of the work I do is about growing personal brands on LinkedIn. I am such a big believer in LinkedIn as a platform and it's come such a long way. And then I help uh, my side hustlers set up an online business, mostly through training and coaching or becoming speakers and authors. So lots of fun and, and it's very empowering to be able to do that as my job. So actually, I, I imagine that most people know what a side hustler is, but for those who don't, <laughs> can you explain <laughs> exactly what that is? Yeah, you know, I still get a lot of questions. What exactly is a side hustle? I've never heard of this term before. And it used to surprise me, but now I'm thinking, okay, well, I think there's, you know, there's certainly uh, different definitions of a side hustle. So I'm glad you asked. Now, there's one definition which is very much of, well, a side hustle is just about earning a secondary income to help you supplement, you know, your nine to five if you're not earning what you want to be earning at this stage. Typically speaking, that manifests in the form of 
an Uber driver or, you know, like a part-time job of some kind. The side hustles that I work with that I'm talking about are those that are heart-centered, they're purpose-driven, they're born from a place where there's an interest, like there's a spark of interest that you know is more than just an interest. It's something that you have something to give back to the world. And so a side hustle usually is when you're uh, working something on the side of like a side business whilst you have something else taking the primary spot of um, your day job or your time commitment. So in some cases, it's college. In some cases, it's you know raising a young family. In some cases, it's a nine to five job. And then the net time that you have left over i.e. the time that you might be spending, I don't know, watching Netflix or going out to drinks with your friends, you would instead be spending that time on cultivating a business of some kind. And is that business related to like, uh, I guess this is part of what you do, but how do, how do you, you know, how do you find out a business that's viable and that would be interesting to people? Is that part of your process? It's part of my process, but a lot of it is also, I would say, going with the flow, you know, so firstly, starting with what really interests you that might not yet be a part of your day to day. So if it's not part of your day job, it's not part of, you know, what you get to, you know, have in terms of your life every day, but you know that there's more interest out there. Now, the way to look at this is what are you YouTubing? What do you, you know, what tutorials have you got out there that you're reading about every day? What blogs are you reading? What newsletters are you subscribed to? And why is that sparking interest in you? So I think it begins with that. And, you know, I've listened to some of your previous episodes before, Andy, and and I think some of the themes in there are the entrepreneurs that have gone on to create awesome products and, you know, incredible services have almost accidentally fell into it. You know, it's almost just been a, oh, well, it, I'd never meant to start it as a business, but I just was interested in it and it became this business. So it kind of, for me, I, I really resonate with that aspect of beginning a side hustle. So, so tell us a bit about, uh, you know, where you went to college, what you studied, and then, then I'd love to kind of move from there to, to where you are now and what you're doing. So, so tell us about college. So... I went to university and at 18, I had no idea what I wanted to study. I had reasonably good grades. So luckily I could have a choice, but I went with business commerce because I feel like that's sometimes what people pick when they're not sure what to do. So I went into business commerce and I did this for three and a half years, uh, graduated from that. And I ended up scoring a, a job in one of the top four banks in Australia. So that was really fantastic. Went through that. And then I went back into college and I studied a master's in human resources. I wanted to switch my niche slightly from banking and finance into HR. So I went back to university and did that for another couple of years, re-qualified into human resources and uh, started my long-term career in executive recruitment. So I ended up working with some of Australia's largest brands, uh, retail brands, insurance brands. I was leading large teams of recruiters and I ended up uh, also being the um, being the holder and the um, the person that was heading up a lot of graduate recruitment. So it came sort of full circle, working with graduates and college students and helping them find their first jobs uh, with the brands that I was partnered with. And 
so were you happy? Did you like it? You know, t- tell us, bring us from, from, from there to now. Okay. So when I graduated, I was lucky enough to find this grad role at one of the top four banks in Australia. And I thought, man, I've made it. I've made it. I've made something of myself. And I still very clearly remember walking through the marble hallway, my first day at work. And I just thought, this is awesome. I've done it. And I got into that first meeting with our, you know, graduate mentors and whatnot. And I remember I was partnered up with the manager that was looking after my graduate rotation. So we could rotate every three months through different parts of the business. This manager sat down with me, gave me one look up and down and went, you do realize that you're not going to be a manager in this place until you have a few gray hairs on you. So let's just dial down that enthusiasm and let's get you to work and set me to the photocopier to like bind, you know, a bunch of different board papers. And I still remember that moment thinking, oh my gosh, I've worked so hard at university and I'm photocopying. And so there was this real moment of going, okay, I get it. All right. I'm starting from the beginning. It's okay. This is what I work towards and I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to do really, really well. And so began this decade long journey of always wanting to please management and always wanting to, you know, work towards something that in all honesty, Andy, sometimes I actually didn't even know what I was working towards. Like it felt like an energy of status, but ultimately I think it was just being in the game. And, you know, as they say, like you're just sort of spinning the wheels because you, once you get in it, it's almost like, well, what a shame to sort of get off, you know, the hamster wheel and whatnot. So I just, you know, did that. And was I happy? I think I was, you know, ultimately I made great friends and I had a thriving career. I was promoted often, um, defying what that first manager said to me, by the way, I did make it into management without any gray hairs. Thank you very much. (laughs) But ultimately, um, there was still something that was missing. You know, I, I felt like I was always searching for something that would really make me happy in my career. You know, as I mentioned earlier, I switched from banking and finance into HR. I loved working with people, the, the, you know, hearts of people and being able to understand their motivations and, you know, things like organizational psychology, behavioral science. I loved getting into their mindset, what made them tick. And, you know, I think the ironic thing was I couldn't, I couldn't really solve that for myself. What made me tick? And it wasn't until I actually discovered that, you know, I really wanted more in terms of creativity. It wasn't always the money, but I wanted more in creativity. I wanted to be stimulated more from an intellectual perspective. And sometimes at work, you know, it was just more about the doing rather than the learning. And so with all of that in mind, I recognized that I had to do something outside of work to quench that thirst. Like my employer wasn't there to fix that for me or to make that happen for me, I could actually become a co-creator in my own career and I could actually make some of these things come to life. So hence why I started my own side hustle, which was a blog at the time. And yeah, I think at that point, I started to get really happy with my career because I had thriving business career, a thriving career in business, and also my own little side business that I got to play with in my own time. How do you, it's an interesting story. And, uh, you know, I, I think to myself about you know my own career and 
you know, talking with others about their careers, a lot of students, a lot of young professionals. How do you know that it's sort of a weird question, but how do you know that you're not happy? <laughs> because, you know, what are the what are the signs? You know, it's sort of a simple thing to say, but it might be a hard thing to really know. Yeah. And I think I've really searched for this too, because I wasn't sure whether I was happy or not. And nowadays I can identify, you know, as they say, hindsight's twenty twenty, and you look back at your career, you look back at what you've done at college and you think, yes, like I'm so happy because everybody else around me is so happy for me. And then when you start thinking about, yeah, but does that actually really you know, help you feel completely fulfilled, then I think that, you know, that's an indication. But I like looking at, I like looking at it from a, a three pillar perspective. So one is, I believe to be truly happy and fulfilled in your career, there is the financial pillar. So you want to be earning enough to, you know, live a lifestyle, pay the bills, go on holidays, buy nice things. Second pillar is usually, you know, to do with creativity. So really wanting to, you know, create something in this world. It's so opportunistic. We're able to create so much. If we're in a position, let's say at work or in college, where you're told that you can only play within, you know, certain boundaries, we can often feel unhappy in that, but not be able to identify why you feel unhappy. It's often usually linked to being more creative. And the third pillar for me is intellectual. So if you're constantly learning, you're at college at the moment, you're just soaking all of this information in, it's fun, it's expansive. Once you get to work, sometimes you lack that, right? You miss it. Or, you know, you are learning things, but it's more on the very sort of practical side of things rather than learning about theories and, you know, other, uh, you know, other ways of thinking about life. And so I think when you're in that position where you're able to create that, if your employer isn't giving it to you, if college isn't giving it to you, then look for other ways to find that ability to do so. And I believe in that, once you get those three pillars right, is where you find true happiness in your career. Does that mean that every day will be happy or is it sort of like, like, again, how do you assess it? Do you like, do you, like now you it seems, it seems like you're pretty happy. Do you ever have any down days, any down moments? Tell us about that. Oh yeah. There's down days. I mean, look, especially in having your own business and my business is service-based, you know, it's coaching. A lot of what I do is on a day-to-day, I'm not to know what's to happen. You know, it's not as though I have a product where I can, you know, have predictive models in place to know X amount of sales I'm bringing in and all that sort of thing. It's very much like, well, I show up every day and people might come to me and say, hey, I'm looking for a mentor and I'm looking for a coach. But there are other days where it's very quiet out there and it feels like no one's listening and there's just tumbleweeds out there, you know, it's like, hello, and it just echoes back at you. And those days are, you know, I think for me and my personality type, I'm very extroverted. I'm someone who really thrives around others. And when I have days where there's seemingly no one out there or no one's, you know, I guess, commenting or asking me questions or those sorts of things, I feel like, oh, you know, it's a bit, bit lonely, a little bit sad. And you know, I'm sure you guys have heard entrepreneurship can be very lonely. It's how you kind of bolster that. But most days, most days I am extremely happy and fulfilled. I wasn't like this beforehand, you know, four or five years ago, I thought happiness was in a pay rise. I thought happiness was in 
possessions, like physical possessions. And every time, you know, I felt like, okay, well, you know, I've leveled up and I've got something else or I've upgraded my car or bought a new house. It lasted for a little, a little while. And then it just kind of went back to, oh, but what's next? Nowadays, I live out of a suitcase. I'm a digital nomad. I have everything. Me and my family traveled together and we have everything in three suitcases. And I have been the happiest I've ever been with, with less things. I'm experiencing more in life. The business is thriving. I'm making a lot more friends and connections. You know, I think it, what you are from the inside is what you attract on the outside. And that fulfillment comes from you know, a lot of that fulfillment comes from an inner knowing that you're doing what you're meant to be doing. So you've worked with a lot of young professionals, uh, people who have, you know, fairly recently graduated college. What, what misconceptions do you think college students have when entering the workforce? I think college students, you know, and I go back to my days where I was recruiting, you know, I interviewed thousands of university grads and college students and, you know, we'd only have a small amount of positions to offer. And the ones that made it through, I met them at the induction. We'd have big inductions, you know, 180 people that would be inducted into the business. And a lot of the individuals that I met were extremely ambitious, extremely I think, you know, clear of what they wanted, their career path. And often, you know, I think the businesses that I worked for, they wanted that type. They wanted the type that was hungry for it and that just really wanted to achieve. But the misconception was once you were in the role itself, like I mentioned earlier with my own personal story, you start from the beginning. You're, you're starting as a real supporter. You're starting with the tasks and the things that you might not particularly want to be doing. It's not as glamorous. It's not as sexy. It's not as status-driven. And the misconception is that, you know, you get told that you get this amazing role and you get to work on big projects in the beginning. The reality is it might not happen for another year or two, sometimes even three years. You know, I go back in and I see them a year later once the grad program is over and they get integrated into the business as a full-time employee. And a lot of them don't get pay rises or big pay rises. They don't get different status. And I see some of the college graduates feel really deflated. You know, I've worked my butt off for a year and I've done it all and I've studied so hard. And why am I still at this level? You know, so I think a lot of it is, you know, about, hey, you know, if you if you really want it, sometimes it's about the long-term play. So the misconception is that you get you know, you do really well at school, you get placed into something that is, you know, exactly what you wanted. It's not always the case. Do you think that, um, was there anything from college that ended up being useful for your career? I know you said you studied commerce mostly because you weren't sure what else to study, which by the way is not unusual. (laughs) I hear that that a lot. I think in my day, actually, I, I majored in international relations, which I think was exact same thing. Um, but so <laughs> you, you mentioned, yeah, you majored in commerce and then you went back for, for a, for a mat, was it a master's degree in, in yes. resources? Yeah. So, so were there, was there, were there any nuggets, any bits or pieces from like the academic side of things that helped you or was it more just sort of, you, you kind of figured it out as you went along? 
Yeah. Oh, there was so, I had so many great uh, college and university professors. And actually, one of the biggest nuggets was sitting down with my career advisor. So at university, we get partnered with a career advisor just before we graduate. And I remember sitting down with him. His name was Simon. And he just, he had this all-knowing look on his face, right? And he said, I feel that you are going to go into the corporate world and do very well. But I feel that you're going to find an entrepreneurial side to you. Now, I just, I had, that just went right over my head. I just thought, what are you talking about, Simon? I'm not starting my business. Like, I'm not starting a business. Who does that? You know, and I think back then I had this sort of uh, belief that you had to have a huge amount of capital to invest into starting a business, right? And it was before, you know, Instagram was even a thing. This is like 10 plus years ago and before blogs were even a thing, you know. And so I only ever knew business and entrepreneurship as product-based, you know, you needed a high capital investment. You maybe even needed investors to help you get something off the ground. So I was like, what are you talking about? And I still remember he, he said to me, well, you know, just have a think about it. Just, you know, keep that in, you know, back of your mind. Maybe you want to, you know, meet some entrepreneurs and I can definitely, um, I can definitely, you know, connect you with that. That was a nugget that I think I completely missed because I was so, uh, I don't know, I, I was so driven towards the fact that I had to go down a certain path, you know, the pathway that often, you know, I think a lot of us can relate to this family pressures and you're told to kind of go down a certain path because your parents had done that and it was a proven path. So go to college, university, get a good job at a, you know, hopefully a well-known brand and you're well on your way entrepreneurship was never on the cards like in my family. I have zero entrepreneurs like that are in my own family. But, you know, Simon at uni, he, he had it, he saw it. And I wish that I was still in contact with him because I'd love to go back now and say, you were so right. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great story. Um, now, let's talk about um, sort of like the mechanics of, of doing what you do. You're it sounds like you do a lot of work virtually. That's what a, a, a digital nomad is, right? Mm. Um, you must have had to learn to use a lot of these tools. Are there some that are your favorites, your go-to tools? Tell us about the strategy of kind of like, you know, learning a whole new system for creating a business. Oh, yes. So firstly, I'm completely self-taught. So this is the journey I, I started. And this is the journey I, I went on to start the business that I have today. One is I started a blog on WordPress. So I had to learn how to start that. And it was relatively easy. Just use the templates, right? Use the free account on WordPress and started to get my message out there. My first side hustle was career coaching. So I started to write about how to find your first job and how to write your resume. So it was very relative given I was also studied HR. Secondly, I started to grow my LinkedIn presence. So LinkedIn at the time was very much an online resume. There was no video, you couldn't do anything cool with it, just an online resume, but I really started to connect with people on there. So I started to connect with, let's say, college graduates or university students and just ask them, you know, hey, like I'm putting together this blog or I write blogs. What do you mostly want to learn about when you're first entering the workplace. And so I used to get so many messages about this is my anxiety point. This is what I'm fearful of. And I would use their language to create blogs. So then that was my second platform. Then the third platform was actually starting to get courses out there or masterclasses. So I started to create free 
online masterclasses. Back then it was called webinars. So six years ago, like webinars are still a thing, but I nowadays I call uh, the masterclasses in my own business. But I started to create these free webinars uh, where people could register, they could uh, ask me questions, and they loved hearing my aspect of things as a recruiter. So I used to get, you know, 70 people registered and 80 people registered. To do that, I had to learn MailChimp, which was capturing email addresses. And once again, use the free account. There's a theme here, guys. I hardly spent anything to start my side hustle. Um, so use the free account, started to capture emails. And before I knew it, I had over a thousand people subscribed and they would come to these webinars and a portion of them would then go on to inquire about one-to-one coaching. So that was my essentially how like, I started my business. It was very organic. It was very much through social media and it was done through, the webinar was done through Zoom. So just what, like, what we're using now to record this podcast, use the free Zoom account as well. And I started to see a lot of growth and a lot of traction. And with that one-to-one coaching, which I also did through Zoom, I would gather what some of the most common questions were from my one-to-one sessions. And I used that to then create courses, bigger courses. And so my courses were then run through systems that I did have to learn and play around with. So the first uh, system I used was Teachable. The second system I used was Kartra. So they're the two that I have used extensively and through different parts of my business. And the way that I learned that was attending their webinars. The companies would have their own tutorials. I would stay up till midnight some nights because I was still working on my nine to five. And a lot of the live tutorials were run during you know US time, which was always like the opposite side to the Australian time. But I would get up for it. I would wake up at 2 a.m., listen to the live training, ask questions, and all completely self-taught. And nowadays, a lot of the systems are so easy, you know, they're drag and drop, you can create modules within it, you can, you know, it's, if you know how to toggle through a basic social media platform, it's not too hard to learn, but that has been my learning process and it never stops. There's always new cool systems that come out to support online business owners. For those of you that are wanting to start online mentoring or online coaching, it is quite easy to learn once you you know get through and do some of the trainings and a lot of it like I mentioned a lot of what I started was for free I started my business for nothing and then once I started to invest a little bit $500 here and there I started to put towards my domain name I hired one of my best friends to build my website for me so it began with a very small investment and today the business is doing so well still off that same website. Great story. Let me wrap this up by asking a question I've asked others and be an interesting question for you. If, if you know, if, if you could go back in time and uh, in, in give, so, so you know, you, you've, you've been through a lot. You've, you've been through almost, this is like your second career in a sense. Yes. Um, you know, if you could go back and give some advice to your uh, 19 or 20 year old college self, what would you, tell that version of you, uh, which I guess really is advice for people who are listening, who are in that position today. Oh, easy. I wished because I had this burning desire when I was 19, 18 to 19 to start a YouTube channel. 
But I was too fearful of showing up and I used to think, well, who would watch and, you know, how boring. Oh my gosh, if I'd started my YouTube channel over 10 years ago, oh, I could just imagine what, you know, it would be like now being able to have a fully fledged business, personal brand would be way out there. And, you know, for any of you guys that are thinking, oh, I don't know how to really show up on social media. That's a big thing. And not show up in the sense of just, you know, posting silly videos, but showing up from a personal branding perspective to essentially grow your career, grow your side hustles. And if you're too afraid to show up on camera, sometimes it's just about moving past that, just shifting past all of those excuses and doing it right. So that's what I would have told my 19-year-old self. The social media aspect we have, we're in a generation like never before giving us almost just like we're able to plug straight into the matrix, you know, we're able to just say, yes, like this is how I want to show up to the world. You're the only person holding you back. That's what I'd say to my 19-year-old self. And what do you think your 19-year-old self would tell you back? <laughs> <laughs> I think, I think um, if, I, if I sort of, you know, showed up in the future, and said, look at this, you know, it's almost like that moment, like back to the future with the almanac. I think she'd be like, okay, cool. I'm just going to do it. Fine. Let's start it. Because I was almost there. I was almost there. And I just chickened out, you know, at some point I was like, no, talked myself out of it. So yeah, I think she'd be grateful. You just need that nudge. Yes, exactly. All right. Thanks so much for, for being on the podcast. Now, if people are interested in, in learning more about you, your work, your business, becoming uh, part of what you do, can you, can you tell us how, to, how, how we can find you? Yeah, sure. So my Instagram handle is at underscore Ruby Lee underscore. And I also have a free Facebook group called Own Your Hustle. So there's thousands of side hustles in there. Lots of them are actually straight out of university and college. So come and join. Great. Thanks again for, for being on today. Thank you so much, Andy. So much fun speaking with you. Thank you for listening to From the Dorm Room to the Boardroom. If you're interested in learning more about the work that I do and helping people step outside their comfort zones and transition successfully into the professional world, please visit my website, www.andymolinsky.com. That's A-N-D-Y-M-O-L-I-N-S-K-Y.com. And also feel free to email me directly at Andy at andymolinsky.com with any feedback or ideas for guests for future podcasts. This podcast is brought to you by Brandeis University's International Business School. By teaching rigorous business, finance, and economics, connecting students to best practices and immersing them in international experiences, Brandeis International Business School prepares exceptional individuals from around the globe to become principled professionals in companies and public institutions worldwide. Thank you so much for listening.